for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz pod. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz. And I'm joined by Mr. Tyler North today. How are you doing, bro? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, exciting game. Uh, somehow, someway, survive Vegas yet again. Uh, happy to be back <laughs> on the pod for another week. Um, and I mean, kind of the week of doom, I guess you can say, for a lot of teams. This was an absolutely wild week. And um, yeah, I can't wait to break it down with you guys. But uh, yeah, stoked to be back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You survived Vegas. And we're all proud of you for that. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but we're also proud of another fellow podcast member for surviving the game tonight. And that is Jaden Kozak, who is joining us now. What's up, man? How you how you feeling? I am physically and mentally exhausted because not only did I have Steelers like team stakes in this game, I have Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson and the Steelers defense. I ended up winning by. Point one four. Oh, that was that was a fun ride. Yeah, and you win by two or in something. Your game. Yeah, Phew. that is a that is a sweat. That is a sweat. But we're glad that you were, despite your mental and physical exhaustion. We're glad. Oh that yeah, you I wasn't. I able. wasn't going to be on the <laughs> podcast tonight. I was not. If either team lost, I was like, nah. No, that's literally what he said. And yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I'm not chat. kidding. <laughs> so, but I'm glad you were able to join us because of the results of the game. And let's dive into it, man, shall we? The result of this game was the Pittsburgh Steelers come out on top of the Chicago Bears in a close one, 29 to 27. The Bears now sit at three and six, and the Steelers now sit at five and three. So. Some of my initial takeaways from this game, and then I'll throw it to you guys. Uh, the Bears' penalties, man, cost them basically the game here. It was absolutely ridiculous. There was laundry all over the field all night. The Bears had 12 penalties that combined for 115 yards. That is insane. In comparison, the Steelers' offense put up 280 total yards on offense. So that's almost half of what they put up on offense like just from the Chicago Bears penalties, which is phenomenal. Uh, just hard to believe. But it is the Bears, and it is a Bears team led by Matt Nagy. So not too surprising, I guess. But something that was, I mean, semi-surprising, not too surprising considering his performance last week. But, I mean, I might be speaking just as myself, but I hope you guys agree. Justin Fields looked good in this game man 17 for 29 291 yards a touchdown and an interception Tyler I'll throw it to you first man what do you see out of Justin Fields tonight yeah I, a lot of confidence um you know grew throughout the game I, I I know Lewis Reddick touched on it um one of his very few positive points I felt like in this game um but Lewis Reddick did talk about how his confidence continued to grow throughout the game and I think that that's something that we're seeing out of a lot of these young quarterbacks is the more that they can play, the more their confidence is growing, the more their teams are becoming a little bit more successful as well. Um, so, yeah, I, Justin Fields had a, a very 
good step in the right direction tonight. Um, I know he did have the one pick, um, but other than that, you know, he, he looked really good. The touchdown to Mooney, that throw was absolutely incredible. Had a, a similar touchdown, I think, to Komet last week where he whipped one in right across his body against the 49ers for a touchdown. It was either Komet or Graham, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, no, Justin Fields, is his confidence is growing by the week. And as a Bears fan, you got to be happy. You just got to start you know, counting down the days until the end of the season, until you can get rid of Matt Nagy. Because I think if you get a new coach in there with Justin Fields, I think there's some nice pieces in place for this offense to uh, to 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 take their stride in the next couple of years. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like just like his stat line wasn't too great, and obviously didn't win the game, but he led basically what should have been the game-winning drive, like eh, on that touchdown to Darnell Mooney. So you love to see it out of a young quarterback. Jaden, what do you see out of Justin Fields that you like tonight? I saw, like uh, like Tyler said, it was, you know, gaining confidence throughout the night. I mean, this is what a rookie quarterback is, where he struggles early on. I think we've been spoiled with the Justin Herberts of the world, where we, you know, we come in and expect a guy to come in and win games on his own and put up crazy numbers in his first season. That's just not what rookie quarterbacks do. I mean, you look just a couple years ago, we thought Josh Allen was a bust. We thought Lamar Jackson was a bust. We thought they... Baker Mayfield was a bust. Maybe not was anyway. Um, Like I'm just kidding, but some of these, like just for example, but I mean, this is kind of, this is what a rookie quarterback is supposed to be. So I I think like Tyler said, you got to be happy if you're a bears fan, that you've got your guy and you just want to, you just want to keep putting him in these situations. Like, what does he do here? What does he do here? How well does he do in this situation? Just find out, you know, more and more about him and what fits well around him. Yeah, for sure. 100% agree. Last point I wanted to touch on in this game was Muth with his breakout game here. Pat Fryermuth, five catches, 43 yards, and more significantly, two touchdowns in this one. You excited about the little, uh, little tight end addition you guys got? Dude, I've been slamming the table for this guy. I'm so glad that we've started giving him starting reps. Eric Ebron is basically out of this offense, even though I did like the signing of him two years ago. But I'm I'm in love with Pat Fryermuth. I bought a Pat Fryermuth jersey tonight. I'm fully bought in. Hey, man, man. Love to see it. I wish wish we had guys like Pat Fryermuth on the Washington football team. Big, Anybody. big start in my uh, in my one fantasy league. Started him, got me 21.3 points. Uh, huge game out of him. So I was very happy with that tight end start, considering I have Gronk as my other tight end, and he hasn't even really played for the last six or seven weeks. So to have a tight end that I feel good in now, um, I'm hoping these, this trend continues. Yeah. I mean, I needed 40 points out of Deontay and Najee combined tonight, and I didn't get that. So that kind of sucks. But – it is what it is. It's fantasy football. Deal with it every week, the wins and the losses. But that just about does it for our Monday night football recap. But let's dive into week nine. But first, let's dive into Tyler's north-south segment. And Tyler, I'll just throw it to you, man. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so per usual, two teams going north, two teams heading in the right direction. And then also I'll have two teams going south heading in what I believe the wrong direction. Um, So first team that I've got heading north, the Patriots. Uh, This team's starting to click a little bit. Uh, Since they lost in week three by 15 to the Saints, the Patriots are four and two. And those two losses are to Dallas in overtime 
And the other loss was to the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers when Nick Folk missed a kick off the upright in the final moments of that game. So those are their only two losses in the last six weeks. Um, they look good. Uh, Mac Jones is, is playing that, in my opinion, turnover-free football. I know he did have one, but for the most part, he's playing uh, you know, not to lose, which is what they need from their quarterback. And the defense looks great right now for the Patriots. Um, it's something that you know, they gave Herbert Fitz last week. Obviously, they gave, I guess, Darnold and whoever else is playing Fitz uh, for Carolina. So uh, I really like the direction that this Patriots team's going. And, you know, with the Bills losing to the Jags, maybe this AFC East isn't all that locked up like we m- once might have thought. I think the Patriots are going to have a say in this in the end. Um, the second team that I've got going in the right direction, the Tennessee Titans. I think a lot of us probably wrote this team off when they lost Derrick Henry as, okay, well, now the Colts are probably going to take that next step and, uh, and, and probably win this division. Little did we know Mike Vrabel had some, uh, some plans under his sleeves. Since they lost to the Jets in week four, the Titans have won five straight. Um, in those five wins, the last four have come against playoff teams between the, Bill, the playoff teams last year, the Bills, Chiefs, Colts and now the Rams they're the first team in the NFL to do that since the Patriots in 2011 Um, so like I said even though they lost Derrick Henry the defense looks really really good the last couple of weeks and and like I said Mike Vrabel has got to be in uh, in that coach of the year running for sure after the performance this past week because not only did they beat the Rams but I know we were texting I mean they beat the piss out of the Rams Uh, that game wasn't even really close which was super surprising to me because the Rams have been clicking. Everybody looked at them as the possibly the top team in the NFL. Um, and, and just to kind of lay an egg in that game was extremely surprising to me. Um, and then, you know, on the negative end, two teams heading south. Hurts me to say it, but the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings have now lost back-to-back uh, two and three in their last five games. They continue to play these close games that have come down to the final possession. Seven of their eight games have been, defi- have been decided by one possession, Three of those games are overtime games. Two of those are on the final play of the game. Mike Zimmer's play calling is beyond atrocious at this point. Um, the clock management is terrible as well. Uh, he's got to go. The Stone Age Mike Zimmer plan is just not going to happen in Minnesota. You've got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson that you don't utilize. You've got a great running back that if you get him out in space, he's incredible but you just don't want to utilize it. You stick with this, you know, up 14 points. Let me just run the ball and go three and out, run the ball, go three and out. It's not going to work. And, and I think we talked about the time of possession in this game against the Ravens. I think Jaden, you brought it up. It was like 40 some minutes for time of possession for the Ravens, which is absolutely ridiculous. It should never happen. So I, I just, I don't like the direction this Vikings team is going. And funny enough, they're only one game behind the Falcons for the last wild card spot. Somehow, some way have no idea, but they're there. I just, I don't have any faith in this team and their next three games are at the chargers Packers at home at the 49ers. I don't, I don't maybe win one game, but I don't, I don't see much. The other team I've got um, is the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals have now lost back to back. They lost to the jets and the Browns. And now they find themselves firmly behind the Ravens. When just a couple weeks ago, they were at the top of this division. Last um, in the division now too. Yep, exactly. And now they're last in the division as well um, behind Pittsburgh and Cleveland when they were at the top, the, you know, right before the Jets game, less than or a week, week and a day ago, they were at the top of this division. It's just crazy how things can change so quickly in this league. Um, 
Joe Burrow definitely ha- has taken a little bit of a step back in the past couple of weeks. He has not looked as good. Uh, and, it, you know, it's catching up to him. They've got a bye next week. And then their next three are at Las Vegas, Steelers at home, Chargers at home. These next three games are going to dictate what will happen to the Cincinnati Bengals rest of the season because it's going to decide, are they contender, pretender? I know we're going to hop into that, but uh, these next three games are really going to decide that. So teams going north, Patriots, Titans, teams going south again, Vikings and Bengals. Good stuff, man. Well, you mentioned the Bengals and you mentioned that we're going to get into some Bengals talk. So let's go ahead and hop into our headliner games that we had this past week. And the first one includes the Cincinnati Bengals, where they took a stomping to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, 41, Bengals, 16. The Browns now sit at five and four, and the Bengals sit at an equal five and four as well. So biggest takeaways from this game, Baker Mayfield and the Browns bounce back without OBJ in the lineup. So Baker Mayfield, a lot of hate being thrown on him, especially the past few weeks. And that only got enhanced with OBJ because his dad came out with the video that he wasn't throwing him the ball. Like that just increased the Baker scrutiny, you know, but he really did bounce, bounce back in this one. He goes 14 for 21, 218 yards and two touchdowns. Um, not like a fantastic stat line or anything, but he was efficient. He got the job done. He had a 60 yard bomb to Donovan's people's Jones, man, my guy, I've been hyping him up. That's uh, I, I really think with OBJ now gone, maybe, maybe DP, uh, DPJ picks up the very little slack that OBJ had in that offense, but love to see it out of DPJ and especially Baker Mayfield, but Nick Chubb did the majority of the dirty work. He had 14 carries 137 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the defense was phenomenal in this game for the Browns. They had five sacks. 12 quarterback hits and Denzel Ward had that crazy 99 yard pick six. Um, so I want to ask you guys, are the Cleveland Browns back to being playoff locks after their win against the Bengals this past, past week? So the Browns do face a tough uh, upcoming schedule ahead. They play at the Patriots. They play the Lions. Then they play at the Ravens. Then they got their bye week. Then they play the Ravens again. Then they play the Raiders and at the Packers. And they're sitting in an interesting AFC North right now. You got the Ravens sitting at the top six and two. Then you got the Steelers sitting at five and three. And then you got the Browns five and four, Bengals five and four. And then some of the wild card contenders right now, you got the Raiders, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Broncos all sitting at five and three, four and three, and five and four. So, Jane, I'll toss it to you first, man. Do you think the Browns are back to being playoff locks? I mean, I don't think there are any playoff locks in the AFC right now. I think maybe you're looking at Buffalo, and even they look shaky this week. I mean, there's no such thing as a playoff lock in this AFC right now. You just list it off. You've got the Raiders, the Patriots, the Chiefs, even the Broncos. Then the entire AFC North could make the playoffs. So, no, I don't think they're playoff lock. I don't think anybody's a playoff lock at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's all really close, especially in that AFC where you're strong. Like, it's – we don't – we're trying to figure out who the best team in the AFC is right now because, like, honestly, I have no clue. But the Browns definitely have the potential. Um, But, Tyler, I'll toss it to you. Do you think the Browns are back to being playoff locks? Um, No, I don't. But I do think that there's one team that's a playoff lock, and I think it's the Tennessee Titans. Um, And this is why. 
It's not necessarily because of who they have. It's what their schedule has. They have the Texans twice. They also have the Dolphins and they also have the Jags and they also play the 49ers in Tennessee, a very favorable schedule. And they lead the Colts by three games and they've already beaten the Colts twice. So they have the tiebreaker over the Colts as well. I think they're a lock to, to make, at least the playoffs, um, maybe not the AFC South just yet, um, but I think the Titans are that team. But back to the Browns, I just think basically what you guys are saying, there's just there's 10 or 11 teams right now within a game or two games of each other. You know, the Patriots could take over the Bills in the AFC East. Um, the Ravens could definitely lose their their hold right now at the AFC North in the next couple of weeks. I think Steelers are only, what, one game behind them now after – or half game maybe one game behind them now I think it's one game yeah after um after winning tonight so the Steelers and Ravens play each other I think two more times they haven't played each other so they played two times I don't think there's any locks whatsoever um like I said I would say the Titans but outside of that everything's up for grabs right now and I like the direction that the Browns are going the other thing I think Baker Mayfield is one of these guys that does more with less and less with more in the sense that you take, you give him all these threats at wide receivers, and he's so pressured to get the ball to these guys. Whereas you give him these guys like Donovan Peoples Jones, um, uh, Short, Anthony Schwartz as well, uh, Austin Hooper, Joku, you know, not top tier guys, but guys that he can just throw the ball to and just basically have fun with it. As simple as that sounds, I just feel like with big name wide receivers, maybe this is not a quarterback that's going to thrive under that type of uh, environment. So I think the Browns are, are definitely headed back in the right direction this defense looks back on track as well so you know oh go ahead just uh just something i heard this morning about the whole odell beckham situation and i'm not going to get too deep into it but apparently what was happening was there would be times where odell would just start freelancing and not mm -hmm. run his route he would just, just run his own route and i think that could you know definitely be an issue with getting that offense going when the guys aren't running the routes. Maybe that's why he was so good last year was because, hey, the play design that I thought was going to happen is now happening. But really quickly, though, Miles Garrett, why, why is he not the unanimous defensive player of the year right now? I don't get it. He's first in sacks, pressures, tackles for lost, QB hits. He's on pace for a historic season, and no one is talking about it. I think it's just the Browns, man. You just have a nasty taste in your mouth about the Browns right now. So, like, a lot of people don't want to unanimous, uh, unanimously I pick Miles Garrett as their defensive player of the year. I don't know. That's just I my think, thought. I think not as much as him doing what he did, but I think uh, Trayvon Diggs doing what he did <laughs> this week kind of helped Garrett's case out yeah. even more. Yeah, for sure. For sure, which we'll we'll get into in a little bit. But it's okay. Kevin. You meant <laughs> back here assuming that I'm a Cowboys fan again. I, I hate that. Hate that. But – uh, I really agree with what you said, Jaden. Like, I heard a lot about the same thing about OBJ, about how he would be free freelancing his routes. And that's just not how the Browns offense operates. Like, I've heard a lot in the sports media community or the NFL community recently that the Browns is – they are a timing-based offense. So – you are supposed to be in a certain spot at a certain time. And if you aren't there, you aren't getting the ball. And OBJ with his freelancing as talented as he is, and he's probably open, but he's not in the spot where he's supposed to be. So Baker's not looking for him, you know? So especially in a run oriented offense, like it would make sense that they would run that kind of pass. Well, offense, that, you know? Yeah. That, that was one thing that I was going to say is just this team, it, it, it shows you when, when this team gets up, 
they can just run the ball and control the clock. This is one of the best teams that playing with the lead in the NFL and, and they showcased it this week. And I think that, you know, if they do get up on a team, 10, nothing, 14, nothing, they're going to be able to control this clock. And with that line, as good as it is, especially from a run blocking scheme they're I mean, they're, they're a very dangerous team. I mean, I'm not going to say they're a lock, but yeah, they're, they're absolutely headed in the right direction, at least for a wild card. See, the only reason that I threw them out as a lock is because, like, you look at this team on paper, like, before the season, Super Bowl contenders, and there's no question about it. So, like, they've got the talent on the team, and you look at those, some of the wild card contenders, like, they're better than the Raiders, they're better than the Patriots, they're better than the Chiefs, they're better than the Broncos, they're probably better than the Bengals now, and they're better than the Steelers. So, like... What we gate says otherwise, right? I was gonna because... say, I think one team just beat the other team about a week or two ago. So I don't I mean that's very true. That's On very paper. True. Look, we've had these we've had these conversations. I, I know we we'll talk about it a little bit later, but like as much as we can sit here and say on paper one team's gonna beat the other, this week completely proved that otherwise. Very true. Very true. I will give you that. Um, but let's move on to some of the Bengals talk that we got in this game and like I said earlier, Cleveland defense had a phenomenal game. They played like they were supposed to at the beginning of the year, but Joe Burrow paid as a consequence. Joe Burrow went 28 for 40, 282 yards and two interceptions. Uh, other notable performances, Jamar Chase. He struggled with drops in this one, which is something that we haven't seen in the regular season so far this year. Um, and it kind of costed him six catches, 49 yards. Uh, Joe Mixon had a decent day, 13 carries, 64 yards, and two touchdowns. Really quickly, Joe Mixon this year, now that he's healthy, very nice fantasy option. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you guys, are the Bengals starting to lean towards being pretenders now? That's two straight losses for them. They had the Jets in week eight. Uh, they're two and three in their last five games. They were three to one to start the season, and they have allowed a combined 75 points in the past two weeks. They allowed less combined points in four weeks combined prior. So is it too early to call Bengals pretenders or not? Jaden, I'll start with you. I mean, I never really had them as contenders to begin with. Even when they went out and beat the Ravens like this, I, I thought they were a good team. I think, you know, they might have had a chance to maybe win the division. But when it comes playoff time, this team is still very young. It's got a lot of holes, i.e. offensive line. Uh, their defense has played much better than anticipated coming into the season. But, I mean, it is definitely not outlandish to say that they're pretenders. Yeah, for sure. Tyler, what you got? Yeah, I mean, they got a tough schedule down the stretch as well. And now they're sitting at 10th technically in the AFC in the standings. Um, they've got some real concerns on the defense. Like you said, 75 points in the past two weeks. I think the the concerns on defense are starting to catch up to them. I think in the beginning of the season, it wasn't as highlighted because they were winning and because they were getting some key defensive stops uh, when they needed to kind of the bend don't break type of defense. Uh, but I think a lot of that's starting to catch up to them. And, you know, they're a young team, you know, with them having the hot start, like they did, I think they were five and two, like we said, leading the AFC North uh, a lot of that, we didn't necessarily anticipate because they were so young and now they're hitting some adversity. And like I said, these next three weeks are, are, are going to dictate their season. And um, you know, if, if they can go two and one, even if they can go one and two, they're going to have a chance to make the playoffs. I don't have them in the playoffs right now. I think that, you know, it's so convoluted right now with the AFC where I don't see them being able to separate themselves from those other teams that they're in contention with. Yeah. You mentioned the defense. They, 
there is problems there. But to say it, for most of the season, they've played physical and they've played inspired. And that is what held them together until now. So good I still like there. I still like Zach Taylor, and I think that they're headed in the right direction. I just think they're a year or two ahead of schedule. Yeah, for sure. See, for sure. Real quick, I think that Zach Taylor, I think this season might have saved his job, but if they went like eight and eight or less, I think he needs to go. And it's not even because he's a bad coach, but that's because Joe Brady becomes available this offseason. And you can pair him back with Joe Burrow again. I mean, yes, but I also look at it from a standpoint that their over-under win total was four and a half, and they're already at five. Very fair. Very so, fair. And they've already eclipsed their win total. I know from you can't last year. fire him, but right. I think I get what they'd you're be saying. better moving forward if they went with Joe Brady instead. Absolutely. I mean, you don't know though. Because Zach Taylor has been so I, phenomenal. But I, mean, but, but, so but I understand, Jaden. Well. Yeah, I get what Jaden's saying in the sense that, like, if the Bengals did struggle this year and they were headed in the wrong direction, now would have been the time to get rid of Zach Taylor to bring in Joe Brady. Because if you waited a year or two, that opportunity of a head coach won't be there. Right. Yeah. Right. Good points, sir. Good points. All right. Let's move on to the next game that we have to cover. And sadly, it is the loss that the Vikings took. Uh, sorry, Tyler. But. Um, Vikings end up taking the loss in overtime 31 to 34 to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are now sitting at six and two with this win and the Vikings are now sitting at three and five. So biggest takeaways, Lamar Jackson, dude, leads the comeback to beat the Vikings in overtime. Lamar was phenomenal. 27 for 41, 266 yards, three touchdowns. He did have two picks, but on the ground, 21 carries and 120 yards. That by far was their largest source of running. And that's not surprising, putting on 21 carries and 120 yards. Very impressive for, I mean, honestly, that's just what Lamar Jackson does. But he had a passing touchdown and back-to-back drives to start the second half. They were down 24 to 10 to start the half and came all the way back. That's Lamar's third double digit comeback this season. So guys, where's Lamar in the MVP ladder right now? Jaden, I'll start with you. Number one. I I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any, I was talking to you guys today. I think there's a valid argument to be made against just about every other player in contention except for Lamar. He's got, there's only one team with uh, less losses than him. And that's the Arizona Cardinals. And they just proved that they can win without Kyler Murray. And they did it with Colt Colt McCoy yesterday. Um, And I feel like he's just doing more with less than all these other guys. Your Matt Stafford, your Tom Brady's Uh, Aaron Rodgers has not been as good statistically. And the Raiders are now five and four, five and three. Five and three. Yeah, five and three. Uh, and Derek Carr didn't do so well yesterday. And I've said it multiple times this season. Same thing with Josh Allen didn't do very well yesterday. Uh, I've said it multiple times. In this MVP race, as tight as it is, and as many guys that are in it, you cannot take a week off. And Lamar was the only guy that didn't take a week off this week. Amen to that. Tyler, where you got Lamar in the MVP ranks right now? We got him at two behind Brady. Um, but, I mean, it's razor thin. I don't 
see how you can sit there and say no to Lamar. Um, if you had, if, you know, like Jaden said, I have nothing negative to say against him. I just have Brady there right now. Um, just cause statistically speaking, you know, they're through the roof, but like you said, you know, Brady's got the weapons, Brady's got, um, the offensive line as well. Uh, so yeah, I don't think that there's anything that you can negatively say about Lamar and what he's doing at weekend and week out. Um, the Vikings, they're just, they're a mess right now. I, am done really and truly supporting this team until Zimmer goes. Um, but the Ravens did what they had to do in this game, got the win. Um, so, you know, kudos to the Ravens. I love Harbaugh as a coach. I think him and Lamar might be honestly, the, in my opinion, I think they're the best quarterback coach combo in the league right now. Um, I know people sit there and argue Mahomes and read with the, the, the history that they've got, but right now you can't take anything away from what those two are doing week in and week out for the Ravens. Yeah, and you can't take anything uh, from what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are doing right now. So, yeah. yeah, there's that. But, yeah, I totally agree. I think Lamar is number one in my MVP ranks right now. Can't doubt what he's doing. I mean, third double-digit comeback so far this year. And he's just – without well, them, the- they win, the, like, what, two games, three games? Like, Lamar carries this team. He is super Mark. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Well, and, and that's a thing that I'm really glad that you brought up is the third double-digit comeback this season because that was, you know, what the skeptics had always talked about the Ravens was, oh, when they're down, they can't come back. And where is this passing offense come from? You know who I think it is? And it's somebody that I've been touching on all year, Rashad motherfucking Bateman. I absolutely <laughs> love him. I've been on him from the beginning. I always thought once he got healthy, this offense was going to start clicking a little bit more and it's showing. And I know Sammy Watkins has been out, but I think Bateman's the clear number two, even when Watkins is healthy, you couple him with Hollywood, who's having a great um, past three to four weeks. Hollywood's been killing it. Uh, and, and Mark Andrews as well. Uh, Lamar's got some, some nice little weapons now. And obviously with his rushing ability, it's only going to open up the passing game even more. Yeah, for sure. I saw a stat. I can't remember what exactly it was, but Bateman and Hollywood took up a ridiculous target share in the Vikings game. And Hollywood went like what, like 120 yards receiving, balled out, and he continues yeah, he to fall is, out. He is seventh in fantasy points per game this season. Wow. That's mm-hmm. it's Hollywood, but every game. Like usually yep. you don't it's, accept it's primetime Hollywood. This. Yeah. It is primetime Hollywood. He had he had nine for 116 this week. Didn't even have a touchdown, but uh, him and Bateman had 20 targets. So half the targets on the team. 20 targets, wow. It was so That's frustrating I mean. watching the end of that game because the Ravens, and I hate to like pile on the Vikings because I, I know it's sensitive. <laughs> Keep right it going. Now, but, dude, it was so frustrating watching the Ravens literally do all they can to beat themselves. They would get – Get on first down, they would get two holding penalties, push them back 20 yards, and then Lamar would just throw to Hollywood wide open, and they'd just gain it all right back. And they'd do it again and again, and then the Vikings finally get the ball. One run, two run, incomplete pass, punt. Run it run it on first and 10, run it on second and eight, incomplete. It's, it's, it's the Mike Zimmer conservative approach. Like, like you said, uh, they returned the kickoff to begin the second half to go up 24-10. And then after that, they did fucking nothing until the final possession of the game. And they were like, oh, well, we're down seven. I guess we got to start actually playing and coming back. It's like, why don't you do that the whole time? Why don't you utilize your two wide receivers, two great wide receivers, two top 20, top 25 wide receivers in the fucking game right now? It's so aggravating to sit there and watch Mike Zimmer week in and week out stick with this conservative offense that has done nothing for the Vikings. It just Carolina game up 14 points, allow Carolina to get back in the game. Luckily they won that in overtime. It's like, how many times are you going to get 
are you going to flirt with this? And then finally they got bit in the ass. And this was a very friendly receiver matchup too. Yeah. Because they just got dusted by all of the Bengals wide receivers before the bye week. So first, oh, yeah. first, first quarter, you hit Justin Jefferson for a 50 yard touchdown. And then he gets what one or two more catches the rest of the game. It's I, so was, stupid. I was, I was looking on pro football reference today, just messing around and Anthony Averett and Marlon Humphrey are third and sixth in allowed yards receiving this season. Well, Marlon Humphrey, basically, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but like he has to do everything. Like, well, he, he and has he's to not a coverage corner any, to begin like, with. And like, I know it's really hard to say, like, a top five corner isn't a coverage corner, but like a lot of what he brings to the table is done with, you know, good tackling and that whole thing. Like, he, He's not the best coverage. <laughs> that old guy football thing. <laughs> he just doesn't Tackling. do the old cornerback thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, good talk there, boys. Uh, but really quickly, where does this Ravens team belong in the AFC power rankings? It's really questionable now because obviously we've, done, we've been talking about the mixed up AFC that we got right now. Uh, the Bills were thought to be leading the AFC, but they've taken back-to-back losses. They took a terrible loss to the Jags, which we'll get into. Um, but wait, no, they didn't take back-to-back losses. They lost. Then they played Miami, which yep. seemed like a loss. Because they played terrible against up until Miami. The, I, up until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. still won by fifteen, but they they put up pretty. three points in the first half against Miami. I think back to back games they've done. Oh no, they had six this week, so they have gone scoreless as far as touchdowns in the first half and back to back weeks for the Bills. Mm, that is not the number one team in the AFC right now. I'll tell you that. But then you got the Chargers too, who had a win against Philly, but they're one and two in their last three games. And it came close in that Philadelphia game. Philly was actually favored, which was surprising to all of us, but it really came down to the wire for the chargers. Yeah. Philly was favored minus one dude. When we, when I put oh, together the notes man. for the podcast on Thursday, it ended at even. Wow. Look at that. But then you got the Titans who Tyler's made a very strong case for so far, five straight wins, seven and two. Um, Guys, where do we put the Ravens in the AFC power rankings right now? Jaden, I'll start with you, man. Uh, well, I do the power rankings, or I at least formulate what we have. And I've got them at first among AFC teams. I think they're playing the best football of any team in the AFC right now. Uh, and all your other top AFC teams outside of the Titans are struggling right now. The Bills, the Chargers, the Chiefs, I still – considered to be somewhat in that tier they're struggling the browns are struggling the Bengals are struggling the raiders are struggling chiefs yeah like i mean they're one of the only teams that isn't struggling so i have a hard time not putting them in first yeah you neither tyler yeah i mean i'm i've i've still got the titans um just slightly ahead and it's more so because this is why if we're looking at it right now, probably the Ravens, but where we're going to be looking at this at the end of the season, I think the Titans are going to get the number one seed because of what their schedule is. The Ravens still have to play the Browns twice and the Steelers twice and the Rams and the Packers. Like That's a gauntlet of a schedule. I know that they've got the Dolphins and the Bears the next two weeks, but then they go Browns, Steelers, Browns, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers. That's an absolute gauntlet of a schedule. And that Bengals game is away. And that's a team that has already beaten them once. It's obviously very difficult to beat a team twice, but nonetheless, the Titans schedule is so much more favorable than the other teams. Um, the bills have a 
decent schedule, I think, as well. But I could see the Patriots, you know, possibly beating them. I'm not confident in them right now. And, and until the, somebody beats the Titans without Derrick Henry, I got to keep believing in this team. I mean, they've won five straight. And I know that, like we said, Henry was out this week. But he wasn't in even in that Colts game for, like, I mean, he was in and out. It seemed he was like the entire in, game. He just didn't play like Derrick Henry. I mean, he still had like Especially in the second carries. half. And especially in the, yeah. 20, in the second half. But he did not have the acceleration or anything like that. Oh, like, no. He knew yeah, something was Derrick wrong Henry. with him. Exactly. So, right now, I, I think that – I mean, it's a coin flip. I think right now I'd probably say the Ravens, but by the end of the season, I, I envision the Titans beating the number one seed in the AFC. I think you got a great point there. But like you said, like it's hard to doubt what the Titans have done so far. But the Ravens, like – at I, like I seriously can't even form an opinion on Ravens Titans. Like it's so close there and AFC is just so weird right now. But. And the bills are, the bills are not playing well. We've discussed that enough and the chargers, the Ravens already beat the piss out of the chargers. So I automatically rule them out of the argument. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, good talks in the AFC realm of football this past Sunday, but let's dive into some NFC stuff. And our big NFC matchup this past, well, NFC, AFC matchup this past week was the Packers and the Chiefs. And this was a game without Aaron Rodgers, obviously out due to COVID and a very stinky game, if I say so myself. The Packers end up taking the L in this one. Uh, the Chiefs put up 13 points. Packers put up seven. Uh, the Chiefs are now sitting at five and four. The second week in a row, the Patrick fucking Mahomes gets so lucky. But I'll dive into that in a little bit. But Packers are sitting at seven two now with the uh, with the loss to the Chiefs here. And let's dive to some of the biggest takeaways we got. Jordan Love fails to impress in this game in his debut as a starting quarterback. He went nineteen for thirty four, one hundred and nine yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, the Green Bay offense in general just looked terrible with Jordan Love at the helm. Two for twelve. On third down, he couldn't get Devontae Adams going. Six catches, 14 targets, 42 yards. And he threw it like – I saw it a lot in this game, especially in the second half. He seemed to keep going for the 50-50 balls to Devontae. The back shoulders. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers will put that ball in a lot better, more appropriate place for Devontae Adams to catch it so it doesn't look like as much of a 50-50 ball. But, like, Jordan Love was literally putting it 50-50 – it's either you or the corner and Devonte has never been one of those kind of receivers, you know, like he's so used to Aaron Rodgers putting it in the exact right place at the exact right time. He's not used to having to use his physicality as a receiver to, you know, go up for those 50, 50 balls. I'm sure that he can, but I mean, he didn't in that one that cost Jordan love the interception. So what'd you guys think of Jordan love in his NFL debut and what it means possibly going forward for the Packers, Jaden. Uh, I think we're kind of being a little bit too hard on Jordan Love. Um, if they don't have a field goal that is missed and they don't have a field goal that is blocked, we're talking about Jordan Love leading the game tying drive and they go to overtime and potentially beat the Chiefs if they get the coin toss, which we're not going to get into how much I hate the NFL overtime rules. But um, I definitely think that everyone just has been extremely hard on him. You got to think this is one of the biggest spots to be put in that I can remember. Like as far as first starts go for an NFL quarterback, I mean, you talk about everything that's got to be going through his head. 
if I win this game, then it's, oh, well, now Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed at me every time I see him in practice. And if I lose this game, then, oh, well, what are we going to do without Aaron Rodgers? We've got this kid and he sucks and everything. Everything was riding on this one start and he's playing the, you know, reigning AFC championship or reigning AFC champions won a Super Bowl in the last couple of years. Desperate for a win. That Yeah. And I mean, everything, all eyes are on you and he didn't play good, but he didn't play poorly either. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, you know, he sucks. He didn't, he didn't play poorly. He managed the game. He did what he was supposed to do. He's, he didn't do anything great, but I will they say that seven points on offense against scored the Chiefs defense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's his first start. We got it. All right. I totally Look, agree I, with the art. All right. All right. I, I was going to say, I, 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 I agree with what Jaden was saying in the sense that if you can script how you want a, a young quarterback's first start to be, <laughs> this is not it. Basically you gave this guy a week to, you told him, Oh yeah. On like oh, yeah. Sunday or Monday. Week. Yeah. 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 Okay. You're going to start against the chiefs just so you're aware. And it's like, like you said, it's a lose lose because if you win, then there's going to be that, Oh, well maybe we should be trading Aaron Rodgers and keeping Jordan love. And then, like you said, Rogers has got this kind of bad taste in his mouth toward him. And then if you lose, well, then it's like, oh, well, maybe we don't need to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And now maybe you're a backup the rest of your career. Like, who knows? So it's like, I, I think that we've talked about it. Quarterbacks gaining confidence. This is not how you gain confidence in a situation like this as a young quarterback. And I think that it's going to take multiple games for him to get comfortable. And when is that going to be? That's the biggest question mark right now is when is Jordan Love going to have another start? Is it next year? Is it three years? Is it ever? Who knows? Uh, so that's, I, I, I just didn't like that. And, you know, you talk about the NFL rules. I mean, uh, with overtime, I think the Chiefs need to have a uh, new way of putting their opposing fans not in the very last row of the entire yeah. stadium. They put his mom and, and longtime girlfriend all the way in the final row. And I was like, wow, that's that's not very nice. Nosebleeds. For him, for him oh, to watch like the first ever start. Where yeah. they're zooming out of the nosebleeds. Absolutely. But yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think there's been too much pressure put on him in his first start. I did call Devonte Adams as a sit this week. I just didn't like it. And a lot of those passes are timing. You know, a lot of that's playing repetition, repetition, repetition between Rogers and Adams and building up that chemistry. And, and your first start with a week to practice, it's kind of hard to do that. Whereas if you have a whole off season to do it, maybe you can build something up. So um, I think that we do need to be a little less harsh on him. Um, I think that I need to have a bigger sample size before we even come to a remotely definitive conclusion. Um, but I think, you know, moving forward, this game only helped the Packers realize that they do need Aaron Rodgers for at least the rest of this year and, and possibly next year as well, while they mold, uh, you know, love into the quarterback that they hope. Yeah. And I kind of want to play devil's advocate here. Uh, Jaden, you want to go ahead and say something? I, I was just going to say, like I said, like you're saying like, oh, he put up seven points on the Chiefs defense. He put them in scoring position twice and came up with zero points to no fault of his own. So, I mean, and he also drove them right down in the red zone. Obviously, he gets the pick, so that that is his fault. But they he put them in scoring position multiple times. They only come he, away with seven points, so it looks bad. But Hey, he had the same amount of touchdowns as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, he, and more he, passing he had, yards. He had more passing yards. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean. Yeah, but we, can we really compare any quarterback in the league to Patrick Mahomes right now and say that, like, oh, that's the standard of excellence or even averageness? Dude, I'm it, telling you, not. his his wife and brother are holding him captive right now, and it's screwing with his mind. 
It is. He needs to divorce them both. But really quickly, <laughs> <laughs> I want to play the devil's advocate on uh, Jordan Love real quick. I get it. You know, his first career start, like I said this last week on the pod, but he's not a rookie quarterback. He practiced all year last year and he had all season this year to practice so far. Um, granted, a lot of those reps come on the scout team, but he has been in practice practicing for a year and a half preparing for this moment against a chief's defense that is terrible absolutely terrible you could not okay sure in arrowhead yeah i get the it's mental still an nfl defense in game speed though like i understand practice is one th- we talking about practice we talking <laughs> about a game it's there, there's two totally different speeds between the two and i know that it's a, a not very good chiefs defense and i think every chiefs fan will admit that but it's still an nfl defense and you know, if like Jaden said, if Crosby makes both those field goals, who knows what the storyline is right now? Well, I mean, even if they do make both those field goals, it's still 13 points. That's it. You know, so I, I get it. I get it. It's, it's a completely different love. game. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. All right. I was just uh, just trying to play devil's advocate real quick because I really think oh. we're cutting him. We can only cut him so much slack. You know, this was also a first round draft pick who's expected to be the next up and coming behind Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, the point, though. Yeah, sure. And he sucked. So he did suck. He did suck, dude. He showed some flashes. Yeah, he He struggled at times. Exactly. Once again, great way to say it. Once again, it's like we've been saying that it seems to be a common theme with these young quarterbacks. It's just you like what was Justin Fields in his first start? Thank you. 66 yards or whatever it was against the Browns with negative rushing yard, negative passing yards or something at 80 total yards or something. Game by game, these guys get better and better. Josh Allen in his first start, I don't think was great. I don't know Lamar. Josh Allen had the weapons in Buffalo when he made his first start. Did Justin Fields have any remote weapons in Chicago when he made his first start? Like this is a seven and two teams with some of the best offensive weapons in the league. Come on now. If you need one to, just of, check it. One of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon splitting carries. They didn't. They didn't use AJ Dillon is one of the best pass uh, pass catching backs in the league. And AJ Dillon if you is wanted, one of the what? No, Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones. My, my they apologies. didn't give him a. Tar- I don't think they gave him a target. He finished with like yeah, five that's a problem. Points. That's a problem. That's not Jordan Love's fault. That's game plan. Yeah. So you where do we just... start to put the blame on on Lafleur? Ooh, maybe this shows more about Lafleur than it does. Jordan Love, galaxy you know? brain. Maybe it's Rogers that has shown up LaFleur or kept him under the, the belt because LaFleur has been Very a coach true. that Rogers can control. Very true. I never, I hadn't thought about it that way until now. Good stuff. You All talked right. about, well, you talked about the back shoulder, the, the, the throws and everything that wasn't accustomed to Devontae's game. That's, that's play calling. That's not Jordan Love. That's what they're giving him to play. I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Good talks, though. Good talks. All right, let's move on to uh, the Patrick Mahomes side of this game. And as I said earlier, Patrick Mahomes get lucky. It gets lucky and escapes again in this game. He went 20 for 37, 166 yards. That's it. And just one touchdown. He completed only one pass longer than 14 yards through the air which is very uncharacteristic of Patrick Mahomes, obviously. And I want to throw this out to you guys. He had a 43.7 QBR in this game. Prior to this season, he had only two games 
with less than a 50 QBR in his entire career. He has had five straight weeks with less than a 50, 50 QBR. Five straight weeks this season. That is not Patrick Mahomes. So, Jaden, I want to ask you, man. Do you have a, we had a conversation on whether or not the Chiefs offense was dead. As far as, as we know it currently, as the run and gun, Tyree Kill going for 200 yards game, that kind of Chiefs explosive offense. And I asked you if it was dead, and you sarcastically said, oh, no. And they sucked again in this game. Five for 14 on third down, 237 yards of total offense against a Green Bay defense that's been sketchy at times this year. So, Jaden, you have a change of heart after last week? So, if you're in the sense of the play style that they used to play with, I think, yes, it has to change if you want to be successful. But in the sense of can Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey with Andy Reid coaching and a solid offensive line be successful? Absolutely they can. This, I mean, this is still – that is still the best playmaking duo in football. Patrick Mahomes is still a top three quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what he's done this season. There's too much arm talent, too much everything that he's had. You've seen it through the last three years. He's been the unanimous best quarterback in the NFL pretty much since he started playing. I mean, there, there's still there's still things that can happen where this team can be successful. It's just not whatever it is that they're doing right now. Yeah, well, whatever it is they're doing, like I said last week, it's Patrick Mahomes running 15 yards deep into the pocket and again sacked because no tackle in the league or the universe could cover for a quarterback dropping back that far. He needs, he needs to sit in the pocket. <laughs> yeah, very true. He needs to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. Tyler. You think the Kansas City offense is dead as we know it? You know what? I This is going to sound very weird uh, for a Chiefs fan and probably NFL fan to hear, but you know what I think they're missing? is Clyde Edwards-Elair. For some reason, he got hurt in that Buffalo game. Before that, they scored 42, 24 to the Chargers, 35 on the Ravens, 33 to the Chiefs. Since then, they did score, you know, 31 against – Washington but that first half against Washington was not good at all they only had 10 in the first half there other than that game they scored 3 20 13 so you tell me that since he's gone out this offense has completely changed I just feel like if they get him back maybe that's the guy that they need now he wasn't necessarily clicking I know he had before he got hurt he had back-to-back games of 100 yards but I I really and truly wonder if Clyde Edwards Alaire might be the answer that this Chiefs team needs when we thought that maybe he was the biggest problem. It's crazy to think about it like that, but from what I've seen, I, I don't know what else they need. Um, I know that they showed flashes in the running game with Derek Gore at times uh, against the Giants. I know that they showed flashes with Darrell Williams as well. But for the most part, if it, from what I've seen from their schedule this year, when Edwards Alaire is in, this team puts up points. When he's not in. This team struggles to put up any points whatsoever. So do I think they're dead? No, I think they need to get healthy, but their schedule is an absolute gauntlet down the stretch. Whether or not, like, I definitely see your thought process there. You made a lot of great points, but like, is Clyde Edwards a layer, the one that's missing or a running back? That's the one that's missing. Yeah. A running game in general. Well, yeah. I mean, I I would say that, but like, who else are you going to bring in? Adrian Peterson just got signed. I mean, I no, was, I know, but is CEH really the solution to this all to the answer or the answer to this offense getting back on track? Before he got hurt, he had back to back games of 100 yards. I mean, that's what you, they you need want to be able to back. establish the run because no one respects there has the to run be a threat. Right now. Exactly. Yeah. 
And if there is no threat, they're just going to sit that two high safeties that everyone's been ripping and raving about. They're just going to sit their safeties back and watch Patrick Mahomes run around unless they can establish the run game and make them move those safeties up. They're not going to be able to have any success. And I know we talked about it with like, uh, I think Orlando Brown and, you know, just the rest of their line as well. I didn't necessarily look at it as such a downgrade of going with Orlando Brown. And I think it was Joe Tooney in the off season compared to Mitchell Schwartz and uh, Eric Fisher, who they had last year. But I mean, that's been a huge change this year. I think is the offensive line's just been absolute garbage. I, can, I don't I mean, think you can blame any of this on the offensive line. I mean, like you got to think Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith have came in and been the two, I think they're the two highest graded rookie offensive linemen, Creed Humphrey being the highest graded center in the NFL. Um, I think Orlando Brown, and I, I've, I've talked about this a bunch, he's just too slow. He can't drop back three, four, five, six seconds with like Patrick Mahomes. And I know Kane says no tackle, Ken, which is probably true, but it's definitely not Orlando Brown. For sure. For sure. It's a run blocking need- line for a passing offense. Well, the other thing is I've, I've touched about this in previous weeks as well. This is the first time that this team, this dynasty as you will call it has faced adversity you know they lost to the Patriots in the AFC championship game but then they bounced back won the Super Bowl and then they lost in the Super Bowl it's the first time in the regular season that they've really had something like this and they're not handling it well whatsoever they're escaping with these wins in games that they should be beating teams by you know 10 14 17 points that they normally would in years past so yeah I mean I think that there's absolutely concern there um but I think that they need some kind of running game to be established for Patrick Mahomes to be able to pepper Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey with these balls. Yeah, I was saying earlier, like uh, whether or not CEH's solution or just a running back in general, I meant like long term. Like this year, obviously, as soon as you get CEH back, you're in a lot better position. But like, is CEH that running back that's going to save this offense next year? I don't know. Yet to be seen. But really quickly, Chiefs' upcoming schedule, they've got at the Raiders in week 10, then they've got the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Raiders again, and then at the Chargers. So kind of a tough road ahead. I mean, if you consider the Raiders, I mean, I think the Raiders could easily beat this Kansas City team right now. And you've got the boys who obviously took that brutal loss to Denver, but Denver's balling out right now and the Chargers, you know, never can count them out. So interesting to see with the Chiefs and what they will do going forward, but not great so far. All right, we've got another matchup on the slate next, uh, NFC matchup, in fact, and that was the Cardinals beating the 49ers empty-handed, 31-17. to 17. The Cardinals moved to 8-1, and one, and the 49ers moved to 3-5. and five. Uh, So, like I said, they were empty-handed in this one, or what? what's the term that I'm looking for? Not empty-handed. It's... I don't know. They were without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. They're two offensive. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. They were without their best offensive weapons. Kyler Murray, quarterback out of Oklahoma, and DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver out of Clemson University. Uh, Did I get that right? Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Colt McCoy in this one stepped up in the absence of Kyler Murray, and he did pretty well. 22 for 26, awfully efficient, 249 yards and touchdown. He obviously knew how to run the offense. Uh, But James Conner, 21 carries, 96 yards and two touchdowns. Now has 10 tuds on the year, which is tied for with Derrick Henry for the league lead. And he's looking really solid with 
Chase Edmonds leaving this game with a suffered high ankle sprain. He's expected to miss three to four weeks. So really quickly, guys, is James Conner lock it in RB1 going forward? Jaden, I'll start with you. Ooh, RB1's tough, but he is definitely, for obvious reasons, my biggest stock-up guy as far as fantasy goes. He's obviously going to be able to handle some of that receiving work. We saw him do that a lot in Pittsburgh. I think Eno Benjamin is going to be like a – like not the James Conner role that uh, he was when Chase Edmonds was in, but he's going to be, it's probably going to be like a 70, 30, maybe 80, 20 split between those guys. So I'm not saying that James Conner is going to get all the carries, but he's, he's going to be very good. Uh, and I, the touchdown regression has to come soon though. Right. Like it, it, I don't know, man, they get it on the goal line a lot. So like when you got a guy like James Conner, who's Kenyon uh, Drake when, had a bunch of touchdowns last year, didn't he? Yeah, he was one there. of it. Yeah, I mean, he was their goal line threat last year, which was hard to believe. And Kenyon Drake is not built like that guy. But now you finally got somebody that's actually built as a goal line back, and you see what's happening. Tyler, James Conner, RB one going forward. I don't. I think there are going to be some weeks over the next couple of weeks, just due to buys, um, that he will be ranked in that RB one mm-hmm. um, category. But like you know. Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Daryl Henderson, DeAndre Swift. Daryl Henderson? Yeah, it's close. It's close. But I I absolutely would put him in that top 15, top 12, maybe 10 on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, Sometimes matchup. Like 15 rest of the season. Sometimes sometimes maybe, you know, matchup dependent. But um, no, I mean, the opportunities are going to be prevalent just because this is an offense that will put up points um this is a defense that is going to allow some points as well i believe down the stretch so i think that he's absolutely going to have those opportunities i i do agree that i think you know benjamin can steal some some carries and targets from him but um but for the most part yeah i think he's he, he's got a great outlook from a fantasy perspective at least until chase edmonds comes back for sure for sure and even with chase edmonds coming back he's going to get that goal line work like he has all year so um One last thing that I wanted to cover from this game without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they still really beat on the 49ers. So are the Cardinals hands down the best team in the NFL? I mean, their only loss comes in a very narrow fashion, 24 to 21 versus the Packers. And if AJ Green turns around in that game, it's a very different story. They're still undefeated and they're the only one loss team in the league. So Jaden, I'll start with you, man. Undisputed number one. Uh, I think it's really close with them and the Bucks. I know the Bucks are coming off a loss and then they get the bye to keep that bad taste in their mouth. But I just, I think when it comes down to it, like Kyler Murray's been pray- playing great. I'd rather have Brady. Uh, and I think the Bucks roster is built just as well, if not better than the Cardinals. Uh, but they're, as of right now, like if you want to make like a power rankings or something like that, I'd probably have the Cardinals at one. How about you, Tyler? Yeah, I probably still got the Bucks there. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury's coach of the year right now. Um, I don't think that there's much denying that right now. I think there there might be a couple other arguments, but in my opinion, he's unanimous coach of the year right now. Um, I also think that 49ers just aren't good. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's that great of a coach. He had one year. Other than that, they've been under 500, I think, every other year that he's been there. So maybe it's Kyle Shanahan's that's the problem. Maybe they're trying to flirt with this oh should we play Trey Lance should we bench him once again confidence been a common theme 
if you don't allow him to get into the game to get these reps, he's not going to build up this confidence. If you continue to stick with the Jimmy G plan, which clearly isn't working, then you're just going to continue to lose confidence with your rookie quarterback. So I think the 49ers are just that bad. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think the Cardinals are close number two to the Bucks right now. Good stuff. I definitely agree with you on the 49ers talk. Jimmy G experiment is over, man. Call it toast. Like this season's a wash. So you might as well give Trey Lance his opportunities while he can get him in game action. Even if he looks absolutely dog shit terrible. Uh, I said the same thing about Dwayne Haskins. Is he on the hot and... seat? Do you think Shanahan's on the hot seat? Oh, I'm a big Shanahan guy. So I, I don't, don't know so. if I'm ready to do that yet. Uh, I totally understand if you do do that, but if he gets fired, I think it's a huge mistake and it's going to be a big, big pickup for whoever gets him. Yeah. Open okay. season on the best coach in the NFL, arguably. Hypothetical. Let's say they go under 500 next year. Who's playing quarterback? I, well, for this argument's sake, we'll say Trey Lance. And do they, are, do they continue to be the 49 IRs or are they the 49ers? Because, again, this year they've been just haunted with injuries, players in and out of the lineup. But I don't, I, I just, I, I haven't seen enough from Shanahan for me to like be confident with him moving as a coach moving forward. That's just how I, how I feel right now. If I'm a 49ers fan, I don't know. That offense is fun when it's working, man. Like the way that he has a design, like the way that he used Debo Samuel, like on just, catches within five yards of the lines of scrimmage and to get him all that yak like that offense is designed in that way so yeah i know know debo's killing it this year too yeah so anyway good talk good debate point over shanahan last game and probably the biggest talking point that we're going to get into in this pod is this sunday night football matchup that we had yesterday as we record this on monday night Uh, and it was the titans and the rams and the titans shock the rams and they absolutely beat them down without their best weapon, and that is Derrick Henry. The Titans end up winning 28-16. to 16. Both teams are 7-2 and two now, and let's dive into some of the biggest takeaways. I mean, first of all, Tennessee defense absolutely balled out in this game. Five sacks for 41 total yards of loss. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons had three sacks in the first half, and honestly, he might have ended up with six if the Rams kept – just dropping back in the pocket every time, like just a straight bra- a straight drop back, he probably would have had six sacks. But they switched to more of a play action in the second half. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the electric Rams offense, but they couldn't get anything done against this Tennessee defense. They had 11 QB hits, two interceptions. Uh, this, yeah, those interceptions. Stafford, man, wh- what are you thinking, bro? Both Looking of like Carson hit- Wentz. <laughs> Yeah, very like Carson Wentz. Both interceptions were thrown inside the Rams' 25-yard line. And that kind of contributed to this just being like a weird game because the Titans kept getting it in great field position and just scoring right away. So, but Kevin Byard, man, five interceptions on the year, tied for second. He's had four interceptions in his last five games. Uh, I think he's in that defensive player of the year conversation now. He is the head of a defense that, Didn't have a lot of optimism coming into the season, but it's really starting to take form. Uh, But I mentioned the Rams offense just did not look like themselves. They were held to the lowest point total all season. Um, Guys, what do you think of the Tennessee defense last night? Do you think this is a sign of what's to come in the future? Do you think this is an elite defense going forward? Jaden, I'll start with you, man. No. No. Uh, 
No, their secondary is uh, dismal. Is that did I use that correctly? Dismal, or at least their you corner did. group. But I don't think dismal. you did use it correctly because they their didn't look dismal and they dismal. haven't looked dismal very recently. So the corner group is dismal. However, their best corner is Janoris Jenkins. Um, Jackrabbit, soon to be Jackrabbit. Oh, right. Actually. Yes, Jackrabbit Jenkins. Sorry. He said he's getting it legally the, changed. <laughs> the Meta World Peace effect. I, I forgot. Um, yeah, their corner group is dismal. Harold Landry has looked really good. As I was looking through those stats for Miles Garrett today, Harold Landry was near the top in almost all of those statistics. Yep, quietly. Um, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Bard's playing great. This is an average to above average defense, but what we saw in you know, being able to halt one of the best offenses in football almost all game is not going to happen consistently. However, they do not play another even above average offense for the rest of the season. So I bet in three weeks, I'm going to, you're going to be like, Oh, this Titans defense is so bad. Isn't it? Uh, when they beat the Texans, dolphins and saints, but yeah, not buying it. Tyler, you buying this uh, Tennessee defense or not? I don't know if I'm necessarily buying the defense, but I'm buying Mike Vrabel. Um, oh, I think yeah. that, that he's turning into one of the best coaches. I know I said Cliff Kingsbury's unanimous coach of the year, but Mike Vrabel's got to be up there, especially if they get this number one seed. I don't think that you can really take it away. If they get the number one seed without Derrick Henry, I know, I know. The schedule is very, very favorable. Um, but still, I, I think that you got to give Mike Vrabel a ton of credit. And I think that, yeah, you know, this defense is going to continue to shine uh, over the next couple of weeks to end the season because they're not going to be playing the stiffest of offensive competition over the next seven to eight weeks. Um, now this could be a team that gets that number one seed and yeah, I could see them losing the first round, you know, coming mm-hmm. off that bye, I could absolutely see them losing to like a, uh, a Steelers or a Ravens, maybe even a Colts, um, possibly a chargers, uh, maybe the Raiders, uh, bills patriots i could see Any all those... have afc teams exactly that's what i'm saying you know it's 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 a loaded afc but um for right now i'm buying the defense i'm, I'm gonna buy it for the rest of the year just because of who they're gonna be playing yeah for sure and even when it comes playoff time and you have to play those more high caliber offenses like you did it against the rams and even if it is like a turn, I know we hate to say it, but like turnover dependent, turnover dependent, yeah. like that came in really clutch in this game and it would in playoff games too, if they can keep it up. So that but it wasn't even to be seen. It wasn't, I mean, it was a turnover dependent defense, you know, this game, but at the same time, I mean, the Rams didn't score a touchdown until what a minute left in the game, minute left in the game, a minute and a half yeah. left in the game. So like, other than those turnovers, I know that that benefited them getting the points, but really and truly, they shut down the Rams' offense as a whole. They shut they shut the Rams deep or the Rams' offense down. How is how it is built or how it has been built all year? Like you saw them come out in the first half and they just couldn't get anything with that straight dropback. But then they transitioned to more of a play action in the second half, and I mean it did something, but obviously it's not going to put up the numbers that you would expect out of a Rams' offense. So. Really quickly, some of the other notable performances in this game uh, besides the Tennessee defense. Um, Tannehill went 143 yards, touchdown and interception. Did have a rushing touchdown in this game as well. Um, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones combined for nine catches and 77 yards, which isn't what you're looking for out of a Tennessee offense that's supposed to be dependent on these two guys going forward with the loss of Derrick Henry. So you did get the Jalen Ramsey matchup. 
which uh, or the Rams matchup in general, which is not very friendly to receivers. So you got that. But Adrian Peterson, man, 10 carries, 21 yards and a touchdown. I think I saw today that's his 125th touchdown in his career at 36 years old. Awesome to see. Awesome to see. But where do you guys see this Tennessee team going forward? Like, what's the ceiling? Like, they, it's hard to doubt them right now. Seven and two, best record in the AFC, five straight wins. Their last four come against the Bills, the Chiefs, at the Colts, and at the Rams. Um, and they've got, I mean, I don't know. I'll just let you guys take it away. Jaden, what you got? Uh, yeah, like we, we've talked about it. Um, I think they'll do fine in the regular season. Uh, I think they'll probably drop a couple of those games that they shouldn't just because, like I've talked about, this team is not very good. And I know that it's like, this is why you play the game. But more times than not, the better team on paper is going to win. And I know that they've got Vrabel and all this other stuff. But when you don't have Derrick Henry, who is the literal motor of your offense, the thing that makes it go, Ryan Tannehill gets into the end zone twice yesterday. One was on a naked bootleg and one was on a two-yard pass. Like, I just I don't trust the offense moving forward. I don't trust the defense moving forward. They'll probably be a top two or three seed, but unless they get bailed out by like Buffalo, but with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, I can almost surely bet that they will lose their first playoff game. Wow, that is strong thoughts, especially after beating the best team in football uh, without Derrick Henry. Tyler, what you got? Okay, I mean, I, I. I, I do agree with Jaden in the sense that, like, do I see them losing the first playoff game? Yes. Um, however, I do think that this team can definitely – I think that they can still get to the AFC Championship. I don't think that they can win the AFC Championship and get to the Super Bowl. I just feel like the teams such as – I know they already beat the Bills, but the Bills, the Ravens, um, the Chargers even. Um, I, I just feel like these two these teams are going to be clicking at the time that they would be facing the Titans and the Titans not having Derrick Henry in that game is going to be very crucial. So I think that, you know, they could, like I said, possibly escape that first that first matchup, whether it be as a number one seed or, or two or three seed. But then after that, I don't know if I can see them advancing, you know, past that AFC championship game. So I would put the ceiling at the AFC championship game for the Titans. Yeah, that's a fair ceiling. I think I can get down with that. You know, like I just want to say you don't bring in Julio Jones to add to AJ Brown for nothing. Like obviously you didn't plan to lose the thing that makes your offense go, but like you're really going to get a chance to see here what this elite wide receiver duo can do. And honestly, it's going to fall more on the shoulders of Brian Tannehill, obviously like Brian Tannehill is going to have to prove that he is not just the play action quarterback that he has been with Eric Henry. So can he do that? Can he just be, a, I mean, you've got some of the best receiving weapons in the game. So, and Tannehill's an experienced quarterback. I think, I think good things for Tannehill. I think good things for the Titans offense. And if the defense can keep playing like they're playing, I don't know. I think best team in the AFC. So that's my thoughts. <laughs> I, I mean, as of right now, like we said, as much as we can sit there and look on paper at who is the better team and, you know, the Bills would beat the, the Titans, but Titans already beat them. The Colts would probably beat the Titans, but the Titans have beat the Colts twice now. The Rams would beat the Titans, but now the Titans have beaten the Rams. It's it's just, it's the NFL, you know, and, and I know that the turnover dependent, you know, this game 
basically gave them 14 points. But if Vrabel is able to still conduct this defense in the bend don't break style, I mean, they, like I said, they can definitely win the one seed. And, and if they do, I, I just, I can't see them in the Super Bowl without Derrick Henry. I just can't, I can't. Agreed. Agreed. Jaden, it looks like you want to say something. I just, I'm, I'm not buying it. I can't. Won't do it. Can't make me. I don't care if they win out and they're sitting in the AFC championship. I will be fading the hell out of them. I don't care. If Fair. they went out and they're 15 and two. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they That's went out and they are 15 and two, I. That includes a win at Pittsburgh. I will do something not intelligent on the podcast. Fair. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yep. Something um, not intelligent. <laughs> really quickly, any cause for panic on the Rams? Uh, I'm just going to say no straight up on my part. Jaden? No. I think that there is some. Um, and the reason being is just because I think that the NFC at the top of the totem pole is just so loaded. The Bucks, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Packers, Cowboys. I mean, all five of those teams, you could Lucky. argue – are better than anybody in the AFC right now. Lucky for the Rams, though, all of those teams that played this week lost except for the Cardinals. Correct. Correct. But I'm saying when it comes down to the playoffs, I think that, you know, those matchups are going to be awesome. And if the Rams play like this, they're not going to beat many teams. I think that obviously getting Von Miller is only going to help them. And once he comes in, that's going to be an absolutely electric defense. Him, Donald, and Jalen Ramsey, good luck. And this defense looked good without Von Miller in this game. Like, they looked really right. good. Like, they did. Uh, d- despite putting – I mean, they gave them great field position. What are you going to do? You know? So, anyway. Let's dive into some of the other games that we have to cover in the less significant games. And I'll just say, the Bills and the Cowboys were absolutely embarrassed this week. Uh, the Broncos end up taking the dub against the Cowboys 30-16. to 16. Uh, Dak really struggled in his return, 19 for 39, 232 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and Trayvon Diggs was dusted by Tim Patrick on a 44-yard bomb. I just want to say really quick, would it be that outlandish to say that maybe they should move Trayvon Diggs to safety at some point? Because I've mentioned this on the podcast before, like he's not a coverage corner. He just reads the ball. So why not just put him at a safety position where he can just do that all game? Just ball hawk. I I think, I mean, obviously you've been playing yeah, corner so far, but, but it's not working out so well. Being being the ball hawk and being the guy that always goes for picks when there's nobody behind you playing safety Dangerous. will lead to even more bad. Yeah, I think he, I think you've got to leave him at cornerback for right now. I just think he needs to develop his skills, and I think that he needs to stop being so much of a boomer bust corner, and he needs to understand. Stop playing receiver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, and I think he's got to understand um, that there are times that he has safety coverage, and there's times that he doesn't, and he needs to start realizing that because the times that he doesn't, he's got to be a little bit more conservative. Um, so I think that as for right now, you, I, I say you got to leave him at cornerback. Um, I mean, maybe in the future, it's something that that absolutely could arise but for right now i think he's got to stay at corner good stuff uh next game that was a shocker was the bills losing to the jaguars who have not won in the us of a in a year and a half they have not won a game on american soil in a year and a half just embarrassing man six to nine was our final score in this one josh allen for the bills 
had three turnovers, two interceptions and a fumble, zero touchdowns. But Josh Allen for the Jags, man, one sack, one fumble recovery, one interception. I mean, he was always being called the other Josh Allen, and now he has his recognition, you know. I just so real quick, I just want to talk about the fact that we will never ever 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 in 500 more years of the nfl will we see a player get a fumble recovery an interception and a sack on a player of the same name ever we will never ever 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 see that happen again very true everybody take heed (laughs) the bills uh the bills were a 16 and a half point favorite in this game and this was this was the sixth biggest upset i think in like the last 20 years in the nfl according to to betting perspective me and Kane both said, uh, you know, if this yeah. spread was 30, I would be taking the Buffalo Bills. Yep. And uh, ah, that's why I, we play the game. I bet on the Jags the when Jags they were playing the, the Geno Smith-led Seahawks. And I was like, if you let the Geno-led, uh, Geno Smith-led Seahawks beat you, then that's just – I'm not picking the Jags again. And that happened. And I didn't pick the Jags again. And I got – I paid for it. I guess, talk about like everybody a, else in the country. <laughs> talk, talk about a favorable schedule. Seahawks, favorable schedule, and they get rust back. That's a team to look out for here in the next four to five weeks as, as far as making a run in the NFC. And the possible addition of OBJ. Rumor has it that uh, he prefers Seattle over any other team, which would be very interesting. Uh, him and DK Metcalf in a locker room. Nothing can go wrong. Yeah. Pete Carroll and his uh, – By Russell Wilson. <laughs> Pete Carroll in his press conference today, they asked him about the OBJ situation, and he just kind of sat there with a grin on his face, and he was like, you know, you'll just have to see. Yep. So I think OBJ to Seattle seems very likely, which makes sense. You know, they brought in Josh Gordon a while back. You know, you bring in these receivers like this. But anyway, uh, after these miserable performance from the Cowboys and the Bills, uh, do you guys have more concern for the boys or the Bills going forward? The Cowboys, their next five, they have the Falcons, then they play at the Chiefs, then they play the Raiders, then they play at the Saints, and then at the Washington football team. The Bills, next five, they have at the Jets, then they have the Colts, at the Saints, the Patriots, at the Bucks. So, more concerned for which team going forward. Jaden, I'll start with you. Uh, well, considering the fact that both of these teams lost like this, in addition to all the other stuff that happened this week, I have little to no concern with either one of these teams. I think this is just a fluke week. Like any given everybody summer. was every, everybody was like, what the hell has just happened? I mean, awful fantasy week, awful NFL week, awful survivor pool week. Oh my God, dude. You know yep. how many people got burned on Bill's Cowboys. Bags? I had Cowboys. Yeah. Um, but I, I have little to no concern for either one of these teams. Fair. I mean, I mean, I apparently had some of the worst picks of all time this week, but um, oh yeah, I think some of those picks actually ended up coming to fruition, to put it lightly. I don't know. I just had an inkling Mr. that football you know, genius over here. Hey, I called the Falcons winning. I called the Raiders winning. I did not call you know the Cowboys or, or Bills. But looking at these schedules, I think both these teams are going to go three and two um, in these games. Um, but I think the Bills have a little bit more of a concern on, on my end. Um, I think this offense just gets stagnant at times. And if they're not throwing it to they, – they don't have a run game. That's not existing. Unless Josh Allen's running the ball, they don't have a run game. Whereas at least the Cowboys can balance it out between Zeke slash Pollard and then obviously 
Amari and CD. I mean, Amari was dropping passes across the middle. It was just a terrible game for Dallas. I have more confidence in the Cowboys moving forward than I do the Bills right now. I really and truly think the Patriots are going to end up winning this division. And a lot of people are going to be shocked, but I think that it's it's I know the Bills won it last year, but I think these Patriots are out for revenge because they didn't win it last year. And it's Belichick. I'm not going to bet against him two years in a row. I think they're going to surprise some people when this damn division and when it's all said and done. Yeah, I really like what the Patriots are doing right now. Like Mac Jones, little Tom Brady, you know, but I agree with you. I think there's more concern for the Bills going forward. Stephon Diggs is not involved in the passing game right now like he should be. Uh, like you said, no running game. And Zach Moss went to the locker room. We don't know his injury status right now. So the run game only gets worse. And the defense has not been playing like they played before. So, and we had questions about this Bills defense before. So, like, is that starting to come to fruition now? Kind of. So, anyway. Next games uh, we got on the slate really quickly. I'll run through them. Uh, Texans end up taking the L to the Dolphins, 17-19. to uh, Tyrod Taylor, I had optimism for him coming back, but he threw three interceptions and no touchdowns. So kind of a stinker for his return. Can uh, we, Falcon. Can, can I make one point on that game really quickly? Yeah, of course. That game had nine fucking turnovers. Oh it was God. on paper to be one of the worst games, not only of this week, but in recent NFL history. And boy, did it live up to it. I don't know if I've ever seen a game where on red zone, it just kept showing turnover after turnover after turnover after turnover. There was no oh. scoring. It was just turnover fest. It was just more like, who wants to suck more today? And yeah. the, Texans, <laughs> the Texans sucked a little bit more than the Dolphins. Just a Imagine. terrible game. And, and if I was a fan of either of these teams, I would, I mean, of the Dolphins, I would not be optimistic about winning this game. Imagine watching GameCast and trying to figure out who has the ball. <laughs> And trying to figure out why the Dolphins just had the ball, and then you realize they turned it over, but then they had the ball on the other side of the field from where they you just keep were. refreshing your laptop. Yeah, <laughs> like just uh, I mean, the NFL should be embarrassed that that was a game that was played. Yeah, Those didn't help relegated. that the I mean, the Dolphins still won, but like didn't help that they didn't have Tua, uh, who was emergency quarterback for this game because they did not have a backup. So yeah, why? Okay, interesting. why? Why was he out? finger i think yeah, yeah like his finger and, and he was an emergency quarterback week. like i don't know i think there's a lot of things going on with tua i think yeah. it's a lot of mental shit bad juju uh next game we got uh falcons end up hitting the game-winning field goal to beat the saints uh falcons sitting at four and four now saints sitting at five and three uh matt ryan did really well in this game he absolutely shined when he usually gets beat down by the saints so very nice to see uh, the Raiders, and I'm taking the loss to the Giants in a shocker. Uh, the Giants beat the Raiders 23-16. to 16. Uh, Xavier McKinney gets a pick six to basically seal the game. Uh, the Giants now sitting at three and six, looking like the other team in the NFC East besides the Cowboys. <laughs> so uh, next game we got the Patriots beat down on the Panthers 24 to six Patriots now sitting at five and four Panthers sitting at four and five uh, Sam Darnold threw three interceptions this game no touchdowns Robbie Anderson was pissed he was screaming at him on the sidelines throwing around his helmet is the Sam Darnold experiment over I want to ask you guys Jaden really quickly what you got uh, I don't know if it's over but it probably should be if there's anybody else other than PJ Walker as their backup quarterback they got to start looking back at him 
Uh, I think they might find themselves drafting a quarterback in this class. And as we've all talked about, this isn't exactly the greatest quarterback class in recent memory. So they're going to use another first round pick on a guy that's not going to elevate their ceiling. And they're going to continue to waste this Christian McCaffrey, Brian Burns and Stefan Gilmore, DJ Moore, like all this talent that they have on this team that they, that could definitely be elevated with a good quarterback, a Deshaun Watson type player. Uh, just a just a thought um and they're just uh the panthers are not good and it's really Tyler. hurting me because i have dj moore Oof. and we're all dj moore fans here because he's a terrible. go terps i don't know if it's over um i think obviously mccaffrey getting him back is gonna help but to what extent um i agree that you got to have a better backup than PJ Walker because clearly that experiment's not working out either. Um, so I, I just think that after this year, there's going to be a lot of question marks. And I agree. I think they're, they're going to take a quarterback in this terrible draft. They're going to draft like Sam Howell from UNC local boy, put him in at quarterback and we're going to be in the same boat. They're going to be in the same boat three years, four years from now. So I don't, I just think it's a bad situation right now with the Panthers. And like you said, unless they go out and get like a Deshaun Watson or somebody of that caliber, I don't, I don't really see this team moving forward with what they've got. It's so hard to believe after they were one of the only undefeated teams in the Three league. And, and then, yeah. And then they go out, they get Stephon Gilmore, they get CJ Henderson. Like, I mean, they were all in on this season and it is absolutely taken, taken a nosedive. Uh, last game that I want to cover is the Chargers escape Philadelphia. They put up 27 points. Eagles put up 24. They hit a game-winning field goal as time expired. Uh, Chargers sitting at five and three now. Eagles sitting at three and six. Uh, Justin Herbert, very impressive. 32 for 38, 356 yards, two touchdowns in the win. So Justin Herbert, if he and the Chargers continue to play well, he will re-enter that MVP conversation um, if he hasn't already. So. All right. Well, that does it for our week nine recap. But the last little segment that we have on the docket is our game balls for the week. So I'll go ahead and start with mine. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to the Tennessee defense. Man, people have been especially Jaden or especially the rest of the country, honestly, had been shitting all over the Tennessee defense. And if they can continue to play that the way that it played against the Rams, this team will continue to stay atop of the AFC and atop of the power rankings. Like this defense is what the Titans will be counting on going forward. So if the defense can keep them in games like they have, or like they did against the Rams, like this offense won't have to be super powered, you know? So yeah, I'm going to give my game ball to the Tennessee defense, and especially Kevin Byard, who enters the defensive player of the year conversation after last night. Jaden, game ball. Uh, mine is Cordero Patterson. I just have been enamored with everything that he's been doing this year. He has made that Falcons offense go as weirdly enough. We thought it was going to be Ridley, and if it wasn't Ridley, we thought it was going to be Kyle Pitts, and it is Cordero Patterson, a guy that – you know, was pretty much solely a kick returner in Minnesota, was, you know, played a little bit, I believe, in Chicago last year. And then he comes to Atlanta and just starts lighting it up. He had six catches for 126 yards. He had the play that put them in field goal range and ultimately got them the win in this one. It's just – it's really, really cool to watch. 
pretty pretty feel good story there for a guy who's been kind of you know just a kick returner and now he's has a major role in an offense yeah yeah at the i don't even know how old he is but he's definitely a veteran in this league so tyler who's your game ball of the week i almost gave it to colt mccoy uh, for doing what he did, you know, 22, 26, 249 and a touch. Great job by him stepping in and getting that win uh, for the Cardinals. But mine, we alluded to him earlier, Josh Allen, the defensive Josh Allen, and the one that we should know more now than the Josh Allen in Buffalo. That would be the Josh Allen on the Jags. Eight solo tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, one interception, and one fumble recovery single-handedly won the Jags that game, in my opinion. Um, so I got to give the game ball to the Josh Allen of the Jags. Now the number number one Josh Allen in the league. Good stuff, man. And Josh Allen, former Wildcat, baby. Go UK. That's what I'm talking about. All right, guys. Well, that just about does it for all of our material that we have from the week nine that was ever so weird. But Good stuff. Good talk. Good debate today. Um, we will have this podcast out as soon as possible tomorrow as we recorded at 1.43 in the morning uh, on Tuesday. But anticipate our next podcast episode to come out on Friday. And it's been a pleasure, guys. Appreciate real it. Real quick, real quick. College basketball starts tomorrow night. Well, when you're going to be listening to this pod, it starts tonight. So uh, I'm amped up. Go Terps, baby. Um, ranked. 21 i think in the country so let's let's get it let's have a fun season and i uh, can't wait to see where we are in march duke kentucky going on tomorrow i'm going to the bars for it man there's no question about it oh yeah good stuff boys we will catch you on the flip side see you later